Welcome back, Cal and listeners. This is Methodical Millions, episode 21. I want to thank you all for tuning in today. Cal, we talked about investment timing. And what's your opinion on a business breakthrough and when that starts to take off? People say timing is everything. And I do kind of agree with that. Thing is, I don't think anyone really knows the right timing. So sometimes things can sound like a great idea on paper and even in application or in practice. And the thing is, you want to see the response of the general public. So if the public doesn't react positively to it, then it might not be successful enough for you to keep continue running it. So it's a tricky one. There are things sometimes like certain products that might come out and they might sound like they're a wonderful idea at the time. But again, when it comes to actual practice and demand, there's not enough of it. And then there are other products that they were never there, like, for example, the iPhone and they appear in the market and end up being a hit and literally transforming telecommunications as we know them. So it's very important. And I think if you get the timing right, it can mean everything for a business. Yeah. Consumers are fickle and trends come and go. I love how everyone's wearing Fila and Champions clothing now. If you remember the 90s, I don't know if that was big where you were from Cal, but there's a huge resurgence of clothes you used to buy at Walmart are now going for $80 a sweatshirt. So it's pretty cool to see things make a comeback and music artists are re-releasing. I guess they're all bored in quarantine, so they're releasing new hits. Is there any business that really stands out to you as really nailing that timing? And I mean, the iPhone's probably the obvious example, but what do you think of something more current? Well, I personally think that's perhaps space exploration is a huge topic of discussion right now. It's been around for decades. But the reason I think now it's more of a topic of discussion than it's ever been is because we're at the peak of our knowledge in terms of space and of the technology that we currently have that we can become way more efficient than we've ever been in the past. And by being more technologically advanced, we're able to explore space even more so than we ever have. So I say that because now we have companies that are planning on commercializing space travel. So you have companies like SpaceX, which cut the cost of space travel significantly. I think by 80 or 90% having reusable rockets, you have companies like Blue Origin to compete with and others like Virgin Galactic that want to create what we know as space tourism and have space flights, which is amazing. And you wonder why we didn't have that before, but perhaps we didn't have the customers for it, right? I think they're all relevant to each other. And I think it's the right time. This is the next step for humanity in the sense that for us to grow, we have to go beyond where we are right now. And perhaps before we couldn't do that as much because of the high expense the time that it takes to build these spaceships and rockets. And even though that technology arguably hasn't changed too much from before, in terms of the basics, we're still being a lot more efficient with it. So to me, that's a very fascinating current time, not just in terms of the advancement of humanity, but I think from a pure business point of view, as actual profitable business, I think mankind is ready to take on the next step in space exploration. I think it's very exciting. I'm a fan. And to make it clear, I would absolutely raise my hand and go to space 
when it's commonplace. I'm there for that. I heard a good interview with Jeff Bezos once where someone asked him why he was spending this money going into space. So Blue Origin is Jeff Bezos's company, Amazon. That's the relation. And it's funny how you see a lot of these really ultra rich billionaires work on this. And at face value, you might just think it's a fun way to spend money when you have so much. But his response really stuck with me. So he said, people who built roads, credit card payment systems, and the internet actually paved the way for him to be successful. And his idea of giving back is to pave the way for future entrepreneurs. And that really resonates with me because whether it's like a peaches shop on Mars or someone who is helping people have a more comfortable ride in space, there's going to be demand for that. And all these businesses will coalesce in terms of being useful once space travel is common, once the need arises. So I think timing is a cool subject. And you said a good point, which is the cost has come down. And I know with SpaceX, which is Elon Musk, he's really into making rockets reusable. 10 years ago, people said it was impossible. And the reason why is because I think these people have their understanding of the world is the way it is, even though they're super smart. But it takes a unique personality to say, well, how can I make space travel cheaper by rearranging the atoms from start to finish? And I think that's why he's so successful with his car company too. He's reconfiguring how a business should be made and manufactured and how products should be made. I heard a cool story when he was building his rockets someone brought a part to him and said, it's $5,000. And then he basically said, make it $10 or something crazy. And you need to have those huge jumps in cost efficiency to even have a chance to reduce the cost of spaceflight by hundreds of millions or billions of dollars. And I think Elon's ultimate goal is to make space travel the cost of relocating from Europe to America 100 years ago. And if you think of that, it's like, I'll take my life savings, sell my home, and start a new life. But 10 years ago, I think it was a couple billion dollars a person. It's just some astronomical number that's way out of reach for most. And the risk is too high. You send the smartest billionaires who can afford it, and they don't return. That's not a good use of time or money or your life. But space does look like it's well on its way to becoming quite commonplace. And I think Mars is about six months away. So you can imagine planets spin around the sun, and I think the closest point is about six months in terms of travel distance. So that's kind of what we're going to see, which I think is mind-blowing but exciting. Yeah, so space is a hot topic. I think Virgin Galactic is doing space tourism. I just heard something this week, actually, where they partnered with Rolls-Royce to do luxury space tours. And there's different levels of orbiting around the Earth, outer Earth orbit, which is actually getting to Moon and Mars and all that crazy stuff. But these things take time and money. And what makes the other businesses start around these things, I think, is strictly cost and function. If all of a sudden it costs me, I don't know, $5 to mail a package to the States, I can start an e-commerce business versus maybe it costs $100 per good to send that 20 years ago. So you need efficiencies in business. I think that's where they all intertwine to make something possible today versus impossible. Wonderfully put. Yeah, I just think SpaceX's plan is to actually make their first mission to Mars by 2023, if I'm not mistaken, or NASA, actually. I'm not sure which one of them. But anyway, I just wanted to add that the cost of space travel or space exploration was quite high. NASA's budget for a few years, I think, was 
I might be mistaken here, but I think it was half of a percentage point of the U.S. GDP, which is not much considering how much the U.S. military budget is. So if that money was reallocated, it could really give the funds to these companies or to NASA to actually explore even further than it already has to this point. So it is very refreshing, I think, to see that those billionaires are actually putting their money into space. It's not because they don't have anything better to do. Do we have things here? Do you have places here where you can actually allocate the money towards that can help other people? Yes, I do believe that's the case, but I think it's inevitable. And while the money is there and the technology is there and the will is there, I think it's not a bad idea to use some of that and actually motivate the next generation of scientists. Yeah, it's a good point about spending efficiently. That's why I like how entrepreneurs are getting involved. And I'm not necessarily commenting on any specific government, but the notion of government being very inefficient is quite a recurring theme in a lot of places where governments never seem to get the job done. They're great for safety nets and making sure people who live in a country have basic quality of life and safety nets. I think that's very important to ensure that people are not left behind that way. But in terms of innovation, I think governments typically go the safe route. They want to make sure they're around for a long time. You can't just spend your government into bankruptcy and start a new one who's going to fund it. Countries have different stakes, I would argue, in terms of the hierarchy of importance. So I'm not faulting governments, but the fact that entrepreneurs are A, allowed and B, taking initiative, I think is really, really good. So space tours are going to be cool. Cal, would you start a business space related in the next five years? Well, I would, but it has to have the interest and I guess it has to have a customer base, right? So if I'm starting a business that's space-based, I need to know that there's enough demand for it and or I'm delivering something that others aren't. So besides actually having to need the funds to actually start it, that's besides the point. But if I could, then yes, I would. What would it be? I have no idea yet because we're still really in the very, very early stages of finally starting to stretch our legs and explore what's neighboring us, especially the next planet. I remember a reading quote that says, in our lifetime, there'll be someone that's going to be born in Mars and they'll actually have a planet on their passport. It's something that maybe we didn't think of, but it's quite fascinating, I find, right? It's just something very, very interesting that now we're into interplanetary travel and To me, it's very, very exciting. We're literally not even a speck in a galaxy, let alone the universe. So the ability to actually finally do that, explore what's around you. There are talks of space mining. So wealth, as we know it, is going to be multiples and multiples what we know right now. There are asteroids out there that have trillions and trillions worth of metals in each and every one of them almost. So you'll have precious metals like gold, titanium, magnesium, platinum that all be on them and they'll be mined and then used either here on earth or maybe for outer space. And a lot of these precious metals are precious for a reason. They're rare, relatively speaking. And a lot of them are actually very useful for us, but because they are rare, it makes it very expensive. So it limits the use in certain technologies or inventions. So having access to all these metals in a lot more abundant state, that would definitely help us advance more with our own technologies. It's not just the actual travel into space, it's the ability to mine in space, 
perhaps it'd be more efficient with our energy crisis, right? It would be less dependent on fossil fuels and be more efficient, whether it was solar energy or nuclear fission or fusion on a subatomic level. So space actually pushes you to be more efficient that way because you have to be to be able to travel these big distances and to travel to and from planets or asteroids or all of that. It's just absolutely fascinating. Yeah, it's very cool. And do you have any other breakthroughs you've seen maybe more on this planet or in another industry besides space that you want to talk about? Being a big car guy, I've always been very fascinated with the internal combustion and and how actually it's developed in the past maybe 100 years or so. I think it's even developed even further in the past 10 to 15 years than it's ever been before that. And now, since we're pushing the envelope with that, I think we're getting to technologies that combine internal combustion with other forms of energy, right? So you have kinetic energy recovering systems, things that cars in hybrids. This is a system where if it's a hybrid, it has an engine and it has a battery pack and it alternates between using the engine and battery pack to drive and that will increase your fuel economy, reduce emissions, perhaps increase your performance as well. So that's a technology that you can actually generate some power to the battery pack from braking. So whenever you actually push your brakes, you send some of that heat that would normally dissipate out of the vehicle and transform it to heat into actual energy that you can restore and recover and use to propel yourself in the vehicle. So now that we're slowly moving away from combustion engines, I think electric cars or the idea of them has been around for a while is making quite the noise right now and for good reason. Yeah, the scales are tipping there for sure. We'll probably have 1,000-kilometer range cars in under five years. And once you add self-driving, why even buy a car? That's the likely outcome for most. If you live in the urban cities, life's expensive. So unless you have a business or want to make money with that car, it might just be superfluous. It might not be an expense you want to have to bother with. I've heard of things like gene editing and individualized medicine, that kind of stuff. You can get your own genome sequence for $100, and I don't know what you can do with that today, but eventually have insight into your own health that way, right? I've heard of things like NBA players getting data-driven coaching, so a workout plan catered to a specific person based on their performance. Are they having a good day, a bad day? Are they at risk of injury? That kind of stuff is quite exciting. Not to get too much into buzzwords, but as you have AI being able to read through all this data that we're getting, we can probably make smarter decisions about ourselves and what we want to do in life. And as a society, where should we spend our money? What are some of the changes that we can leave aside for new systems and new ways of life? Yeah, that's true. Like even something a bit more relevant to the average person. Just 20 years ago, if you were to buy a normal cell phone, which was definitely cool back then. They can have a mobile device on you at all times. They can make phone calls from anywhere to anyone. It was quite expensive to actually buy the device and to pay for the service, the month subscription. And it wasn't perhaps as practical. You know, your cell phone or mobile device would be large and it would be limited with its abilities. And now you can really buy very, very cheap smartphones that are just as capable as the top phones a few years ago. And they can do everything in the palm of your hand. So timing here is everything, but just going back to the iPhone. I remember when it first came out, I thought, 
why would I pay that much for a phone that even though it can do all of that stuff, it's limited to iPhones right now. And what's the point of having a phone that has all the apps and all that ability? But how many apps are there? You know, they're just, they're not around, but it created enough of a buzz that actually changed the entire idea of what a cell phone is. And now a cell phone isn't really a cell phone. Calling is one of its abilities, but really it's more like a mobile computer or a personal device that you can carry on you and they're way more capable. I remember trying to browse on the internet on the first phone I had that had a web browser and it would take me 15 minutes just to try to open a web page. And now you just rather use your phone over your computer. That was a huge breakthrough and probably the most relevant to the average person. I love how you can be 12 years old and code an app and publish it on the app store. And I'm sure there's laws against maybe being 18 and over, but the idea is there, which is accessibility of technology is now for everyone. And I'm sure we've covered at least 50 to 80% of the world with internet. And like you said about smartphones, I think Android has a $100 smartphone for places like Africa or Brazil, where it's very cost prohibitive otherwise. So it doesn't have to be an iPhone. And that iPhone really did pave the way for everyone. I agree. And this also just paves the way to what other things in our day-to-day lives that we think right now is maybe a bit unrealistic or unachievable that would be of commonplace in five years from now. Things can be ahead of their time, but I think a good business is when you offer something that others aren't offering or providing a service to cater to a need people want or just need because others aren't providing it. It's quite a step forward because it'll push other companies to do so and maybe provide other things that you didn't think of. And that's how we advance. And uh, it's just really cool. I'm excited for what's ahead. Yeah, that's the saying in consumerism, which is competition is good for everyone. So if one brand leapfrogs another with a cool feature, the rest will follow suit, usually in one, two years. So we get a better product and whether it's more utility or just a better experience, we all win. And that's the fundamentals of business. It's okay to make a profit if you're adding that value. And I don't think people are afraid to support that. So in the age of individualized subscriptions, you can get $10 a month for pretty much anything. So you can kind of pick and choose what's important to you. And I think that's the opportunity. So you can make something small that really isn't that small in the grand scheme of how many people are all over the world and just a matter of connecting to them and being able to transact, have them follow your YouTube channel or ship them goods across the world. It's all possible. Cal, so as we're wrapping up here, what are your bets on the next big breakthrough that's not yet out? Where do you think we'll be in maybe 10 years? I don't know if I want to share it. (laughs) Funny you say that. I have a few things in mind. I think biotechnology would definitely be one of those things. People will get to a point where they are living longer because medical advancements, but you have things like you mentioned earlier, maybe genetic understanding and coding could actually do something. I remember reading once that although it is controversial, we might get to a point where before a baby is born can give the parents the option of the kid being more physically attractive or more physically capable or more intelligent than others. 
or has some sort of ability or character. So you can actually alter that. There's the morality of it. But what I'm trying to say is I think that we're getting to a level of biotechnology that could be very life-altering in the not-so-distant future. I think composite material will change. That's another one, something very different and unlikely. But I think there are some certain composites that are actually being used today, but in very, very small quantities because of the high expense to make them. Carbon fiber was that in the 1980s, and now we can see even carbon fiber phone cases if you really want it, right? So that's just the way of advancement. Eventually, it'll drop in cost, and I think it'll really alter things that we use every day as we know them. TVs, cell phones, do something completely different. What about you? That's awesome. Self-driving for sure. A lot of people are following AI. Speaking of cars, actually, I saw a study someone did where they use their version of what they think AI should be in terms of compute power and how it works and the style of neural network where it starts to mesh into different decisions and looking at all the outcomes, trying to emulate a brain. And what I've seen with that was, I think it was a car going over a sand dune and it would measure a thousand points on the car in terms of what characters the suspension are using and how to best go over this. And what happened was the AI designed a car chassis based on this really weird looking honeycomb style, of course, with some kind of materials, probably lightweight. And I think it was almost emulating nature, almost like a beehive. But show me a car company that's done that. No one. And the fascinating thing with that is that smart as we think we are, there's so much we're missing. So computers will fill that gap to give us better insights into how to build the future. And That's what I'm most excited about. I think unlocking that potential is probably under 30 years and maybe a lot sooner. And as long as we all have access to it and can pull it up on our phone and use it as tools, I think we'll really change how we do things. So with that said, we'll wrap up today's episode. I want to thank everyone for tuning in. That was Methodical Millions, episode 21. If you'd like to follow future episodes, you can find us at methodicalmillions.com or info at methodicalmillions.com for episode feedback. Thanks, everyone.